Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Manor Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host as always, Ali, and joining me, we've just got the one man tonight. That's all we need, Mr. Dave Black. How are we, Dave? All right, Ali. <laughs> is this your... Is this your I, was, I, was, I, was I was hoping we go, oh, look, Sai's there. It's not Sai. <laughs> yeah, no, Sai's drunk somewhere up north beside me. Um, I was meant to go meet him, meet him last night, but with that carry-on that we'll come on to with the, the Liverpool United game. Uh, we we kind of postponed that, but um, yeah. So anyway, how was your weekend, sir? Yeah, it was it was good. Um, it was been, been the bank holiday. Um, is it the bank holiday in Scotland as well? Uh, yes, yeah. This oh, is oh good. Weekend. Yeah, um, ah, it's um, it's been been a long weekend and it's been nice. So, so I think you get another one at the end of the month. Is that right? We do. Yes, I don't know why, but we do. We don't get that one. Well, some companies will, but in general, Scotland don't get that one. So. Yeah, make the most of it where you can, but we, I don't know what the weather was like at you, but it was torrential rain all day today. So. Oh yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been, bad. it's been terrible weather today, but, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, on to football matters, Dave. Um, mm. st- we started on Friday night this week with Southampton 1, Leicester 1. Um, no goals for any actual, but an assist, so his good form keeps on running. Southampton went down to 10 men quite early. Yeah, well, I think as soon as Salam got the red card, um, people started to think, "Oh God, well, that last time this happened, it finished, <laughs> it finished nine nil." And uh, I don't know if that spurred Southampton on a bit, but they were, you know, they, they weren't the usual cavalier selves. Even, even once they were down to ten, so uh, maybe they've learned a lesson there. But um, they, they did pretty well to shut Leicester out for the for the most part, actually, until they went ahead. Um, that seemed to, you know, again, sort of kick Leicester up the arse and give them a. Kickstart and get back in the game because uh, I mean the penalty they gave away was was a pretty wayward shot to be honest. But actually, I natural handballed it and they didn't miss the pen. And then uh, it was kind of just one-way traffic for the remainder of the, of the game. And Leicester got the equaliser, but um, they were below par all night. Um, I think teams who sit in and make it hard for Leicester—that's kind of you know that their worst-case scenario that they want teams who are going to come at them and leave you know, gaps in behind for the likes of Vardy and things, but. Um, when teams play properly with with ten men and not like Southampton did last season, you know it's it's quite hard to break down when you uh, when you play the kind of style how they play. Yeah, any actual every week is just making it harder and harder for for Brendan to drop on because obviously Leicester haven't been really known as the the two striker type team under Rodgers, and it's just impossible really to to take any action out of the team, isn't it? It is. I mean, they're playing quite a quite a clever way, really, because I mean, for all they have two strikers on that, that front three is fairly fluid. Um, yeah. You know, Vardy and I actually almost split strikers at times with with Madison or you know Perez or whoever's playing behind them. You know, as the, as the central figure. Um, 
Iron Asher seems to do a lot of his work from the sort of the right hand side. Um, but as we've said lots of times about Leicester, you know that they've got a lot of good technical players. Um, they are almost there. I'll be surprised if they threw it away again this time. What are they on? Sixty-three points. Sixty-three. Sixty-one for Chelsea and fifty-eight after tonight for West Ham. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a good size gap. I mean, that's five points in four games for West Ham to to overtake them. Yeah, I mean, Leicester have got uh, got us at home on Friday, so that's a very easy three points for them, I would imagine. Although. After that, they're running as Man United, Leicester, and Tottenham. So, uh, sorry, Man United, Chelsea, and Tottenham. So, uh, I suppose that's a one come comfort the, the, the chasing pack can have is that uh, Leicester might not have too many points left in them, especially with a, an FA Cup final to distract them in the middle of all that. Um, you know, we've seen teams before sort of lose a, a big cup game and all of a sudden sort of knocks the stuff out of them. Obviously, they'll be, they'll be hoping that doesn't happen to them, but. Um, they're running look horrible on paper, us aside. Yeah, but as you say, if they can get that three points, that might just be enough of a gap. Yes. So it's not about them dropping the points, it's about the other teams gaining the maximum points. I think Chelsea have got quite a tricky run in as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they've got they've got Man City. Um, yeah. And obviously Leicester as well, yeah. Look at West Ham. West Ham have got Everton, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton and they could actually win all four of those. Um, Everton will obviously come on to it in a bit, but they they continue to frustrate, I imagine. <laughs> um, Brighton, your guess is as good as mine. I, I, you just don't know what Brighton's going to turn up. No, definitely not. Uh, West Brom will be down by then, by the time they play them. Uh, and then Southampton, who, again, will be safe and have very little to play for by that point. So um, it, it, it's, it's there for West Ham to get the points on the board, as you say, it's just whether... Um, whether the teams around them will drop enough? Yeah, I think. Oh, I think this. I think Leicester will be okay. And yeah, the bottom, the bottom three, as you kind of you hinted at there with West Brom. I think the bottom three is almost all but done as well. Um, Brighton obviously done themselves a massive favour, which will will come on to shortly. Um, but yeah, I mean Southampton, fairly fairly awful season, would you say, Dave? To be fair, I know they're 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 safe, comfortably safe, but. Obviously, we had quite high hopes for Southampton after. Oh, well, that's it. I mean, what the top of the table after was it six or seven games or something like that? You know, the yeah, just all paid briefly, but you know, they they had all the all the hallmarks of this sort of basically what West Ham are now. You know, they've got this, yes. this sort of plucky team with a good manager, and you know, the likes of Danny Ings and Ward Prowse who've been pretty good. Like you wouldn't say they had bad seasons, to be honest. It's just somewhere along the way Southampton it went mad and just obviously you know we talked about the, the Man United game where it went very wrong um, I think they've had quite a few injuries along the way as well which obviously hasn't helped but uh, to go from where they were to be you know 15th and nowhere you know it's not like a, a good 15th either you know they're essentially one one point above 17th um, they're uh, they should be really disappointed with this season. I know that they had the, the cup semi-final, which would have gone some way to uh, to rectifying it, but they didn't really show up in that either, by all accounts. So it's uh, it's a really disappointing season for them. And uh, I know we've said before that Hassan Hootle's a great manager or can be a great manager, and you know they should stick with him. But um, the way football is now, you know, if they start next season badly, I mean, how much longer would they put up with that kind of mediocrity? Yeah, I can imagine if they, because obviously they went on a run up until quite recently, didn't they? About eight or nine, eight or nine defeats in a row. I feel like, something like yeah, that. Maybe a couple yeah, of in the middle, but 
they were on a massive trajectory downwards. And as you say, yeah, if they start the season like that, or even end the season, I mean, I think we're all quite, you know, as you say, we've been quite high on on Hasselhutten, but with the, the money involved in football and just the way things are going, and obviously there's still no fans back to to even get behind them, so you could quite easily see any any managers really being replaced in the summer, just, you know, two, three games down the line. Well, especially with fans coming back in as well. Um, you know, it's something that we haven't really seen an awful lot of fan pressure over the last, what is it, year or so. Um, yeah. And obvious, for obvious reasons, you know, that, that this, if, if you can't get in the stadium, it's very hard to, to, uh, to provoke that kind of reaction. But um, I think... When you know fans are starting paying their money again and they're starting to go and sit and watch you know bad results, um, it might make some owners sit up and realise you know what what am I doing here? Um, I hope it doesn't happen to Hassan Hootel because uh, I, I, I like what he's trying to do. Uh, I appreciate his principles a little bit, but he's also been quite naive at times as we spoke about. But um, they're way better than 15, or at least they should be. Yeah, 100%. I mean. In- Ultimately, I mean, they've still got a game in hand to teams around them. By the looking at the fixtures, I think it could be to Bright, to Palace, quite possibly. Uh, let's have a look. I assume uh, Liverpool's is to Man United, which was, well, obviously we'll come on to. Everton's is definitely to Villa, which only leaves Palace and Southampton. So unless it's just like a, a mix-up of games elsewhere. Uh, they do play Palace on a Tuesday night, but these days I don't know if that means anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's a winnable tie. Get a couple of wins in their other four. And, I mean they ultimately could could finish up, you know, twelve or thirteen. All of a sudden doesn't look as as bad. But I think as you say, anybody watching football. But I mean this season goes down as one of the weirdest, possibly worst seasons of football. Um, just all over. It's just not. It's not kind of covered itself in by any means in in a great season. No, I mean, we obviously talk about this towards the end of the season, but at the moment, as it stands, pretty much every team from 12th downwards is probably thinking, mm, this could have been a better season. Um, with, the yeah. exception, with the exception of maybe Palace, who are always kind of in that Yeah, position. that's the that's aim. Uh, and I suppose, I mean, Brighton and Burnley are probably just happy to stay up. I don't know if they have ambitions above and beyond that, but I think, I guess that's, but Burnley in particular, that's where they've always been, isn't it? So. Yeah, um, and as you say, Leicester, but they, I, I can't see them falling out the top four now. I think um, I think manager's head would have to roll if they if they let this go again two seasons in a row now. I know, uh, I know, I know you like that, but uh, I would. Yeah, I'd be um, I'd be amazed really if um, you yeah. know essentially if two of that chasing pack have to overtake them to to get them yeah. out of there. I can't see it myself, Dave. I, I genuinely think they've got it. They've got it sewn up. I think had West Ham maybe been three points closer. And, you know, it was that closer, but I think that five-point gap is, is more than enough for them. And again, as you say, like, as much as it's, I feel Newcastle have are better than the position that they're showing, I still think Leicester should have should have too much for them. Um, and that's before the cup final. So at least, you know, it builds the momentum for that. I take it as Man City in the cup final. Uh, no, it's Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, so you can see, I mean... Is it a silly question to say? Would would Leicester be disappointed if they if they don't come away with a, a trophy this season now? I mean, Chelsea are definitely beatable I, for Leicester. I, I, I think you wish you were playing Frank Lampard to Chelsea. I think. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think Tuchel's taken them and made them a very difficult side to beat. You know, they, they don't concede a lot of goals. 
all right, they're not necessarily free flowing all the time, but they're um, they're a very you know sturdy side now. Um, that that you know those three centre backs, um, Kante in front of them, it's it's a fairly formidable uh, blockade to try and get through to you know to, to really hurt them. So um, I'm not sure it's a great matchup for the way Leicester play, but um, I'm looking forward to it as a final. I think you know it, it's great when you get teams who are like Leicester who have come in and they're not one of the traditional sides who make cup finals um, but they're also not the type who will sit back and say well you know let's play for nil-nil I think they'll uh, they'll have their own ways of, of hurting Chelsea and uh, I hope they get the chance to, to really have a go at it Yeah I'll just remind you Sam Allardyce says West Brom scored five against that two goals Chelsea defence just a few weeks ago though, uh, that, That's true but there was, there, was, there was some mitigating circumstances there which we'll not go into but yes I take, I take your point We'll leave that there Anyway we'll come on to the Saturday game and um, yeah just a standard Man City 2-0 win against Crystal Palace um, Aguero finally getting a game and a goal Dave um, Yeah he play, play, Playing the big games isn't he it's, uh, <laughs> What a way to finish your career at City. Maybe arguably your best player, definitely your best forward, and yeah, you get saved for the for the Crystal Palace lunchtime games. I know it's mad, isn't it? But took his goal well, considering he hasn't played for, for so long. Properly, you know, it was a really sharp finish. Um, I think if you, I don't know where you'll end up. I'm going to guess, you know, either Spain or back in Argentina. If you're a club who's capable of signing him, you'd be looking at going. He's got another year in him quite easily. Um, he's. Uh, he hasn't, he hasn't forgotten how to finish overnight. It's funny because we've never really even seen him decline, have we? Like It's not like he went on a massive run where he didn't score no. goals. He just got injured for a long time. And then yeah, that's it. It's just and injured. Then, yeah. and, then, and then we were just told he wasn't going to be there anymore. Like None of us really know if he's still good enough or not because he just hasn't played any football. Yeah. Um, well, my next question for on Aguero, could, could you see a... Or could you even see him doing it? But with the money, obviously, that's in the Premier League still, could you see a, a lower club kind of offering them big wages because they'd be getting a lot of free uh, I don't think he'd go to another English club to be honest with you I think he's I think he'll say he's too loyal to Man City right um, and realistically the teams who could afford him will be you know directly rivals to them yeah um, so no I think if he goes he'd be going to either a Spanish club or back to you know Argentina or at least South America but uh I mean, who knows where he'll end up, but uh, he is. Um, I think he's. I think City could do worse than give him another year if they're not going to go and sign a striker. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said to you last weekend, like, Raheem Sterling's not a forward. He's a you know he's he's a decent wide forward. He's more than decent. He's a very good winger forward type player, but he's not a striker. Um, they've tried it time and time again. I've never really been that impressed by him. He, he, I say very good at you know playing from the left, even from the right sometimes, but uh, I don't I don't rate him at all as a central striker. Um, they've tried De Bruyne there as a false nine, which works quite well in Europe, but not overly convinced it'll work week in week out in the Premier League. Um, and Jesus, you know, works hard but doesn't score enough goals. Um, and I just think they uh, they could do with a you know an out and out goal scorer. Um, Obviously, all the talks being Holland from, from Dortmund, but by the sound of things, he's going to be too pricey for them, which I find incredible. But that seems to be the the, the stance they're taking on it. Um, I don't know if you, if, you, I mean, if you were them, who would who would you get? I think, yeah, I think price. I think I think price is irrelevant. I think 
if you're Man City, you've got to go for Haaland. You, do you want to risk him going elsewhere? Uh, especially when you want to become this world juggernaut. But I, I agree with you. I think I don't see the harm in a team like City where really money isn't... You know, they're not really scrimping, are they, when you look no. at the squads they put out in their last two games um, with the rotation. Um, what, what's the harm in giving Aguero another year? Maybe he doesn't want it, in fairness. You know, maybe he wants to play. As you say, he's, he's coming to that age. His games are more limited, like, for injury-wise. So maybe he wants more. Um, obviously, the big the big rumour is he's going to be wherever Messi ends up. I think they're obviously quite close. I think they're actually related in a way. Are they not through children or, or something like that? Um, uh, probably. I think there's some sort of... I can't think what it is now, but yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's like one of their sons or the Godfathers or you know something, something around that way. But um, I think Haaland's the only one. I'd love to see. I know more about you know international strikers around, but obviously the two big ones are the two who really City City would want. But Haaland seems to be that just that perfect, you know, complete striker almost. Yeah, well that's it. I mean, he's, he's young enough as well to improve and for Pep to mould him, which I think is part of the. Part of you know Pep's vanity project is that he likes them to all you know to do everything, not just score goals. Um, which I think is kind of why he's never. I know he says he loves Aguero and all this kind of stuff, but I, I don't. I don't. I never really felt that he's um, he's been in love with Aguero, the player. I think he's always wanted him to do more, or you know, he, he's, there's, there's been spells where he's been out of the team and you can't really put your finger on why, and it seems to be where you know he doesn't work as hard as Jesus and all this kind of nonsense. But Aguero is just a you know, a wonderful goal scorer who they've been lucky to have um, for what is it, ten years or how long he's been there? You know, it's yeah, um, eleven seasons now. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable period of time for any goal scorer, especially from abroad, to come over to England and uh, score consistently for that length of time. And obviously, he's won just about every of them with them. Obviously, not quite the Champions League, but um, we'll see if there's a happy ending to that particular story in a, in a few weeks. But um, yeah, hard man to replace. Um, again, we saw this last week, but uh, you would go and get Harry Kane or Holland, wouldn't you? I think. Oh, the... Harry Kane! Yeah, I actually forgot about Harry Kane. Um, Kane might be Kane might be too much of the almost the Aguero elk though. Of I know Kane's trying to do more, but I, I feel he's trying to do more in a team that um, needs him to do more. Whereas if you put Harry Kane in that Man City team, he doesn't really need to be that Harry Kane. And it might actually prolong his career because, again, his injuries and knocks are are going to take a toll on him, him very soon. And I could see him miss, missing longer and longer durations. And it might come down to the way, you know, the way Aguero is the last few seasons as well. I mean, the funny thing is, but, I mean, can you imagine Harry Kane in that Man City team? Obviously, get loads of chances, right. but yeah. he, he would get... Ripped a bit by Guardiola for shooting too, too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kane, Kane almost needs to be in a team where it's all about him. You know, not not all about as in a selfish way, but like build around him. Not whereas Guardiola's got City as in almost anyone can play those six positions. Mm. Um, whereas Harry Kane obviously is a as much as I as dislike him and. He's definitely proved me wrong over the years, and I still think he's really a tad overrated. But the last couple of seasons, especially the way he started this season, I, I thought he's been phenomenal. Um, I just think he's not, obviously. We, we mention it all the time, you know, he wants to play every game, and that's great for goal scoring, but it's definitely not great for your body when you've got that same consistent niggling uh, injuries. Yes. Um, 
he's, he's definitely getting arthritis by the time he's 32, 33 and he's, <laughs> he's laying in bed at night. But um, yeah, I think I think Keane would be great for them. It's always the, the English player as well, but I think you'll probably find Haaland's cheaper as well, purely because, again, he's not English as well. And he's not got Daniel Levy as a manager. <laughs> well, that's very true. Um, yeah, I, I think... Holland will be on a lot of people's shopping lists this summer. Um, I don't know where he'll go. Honestly, I don't. Um, I think we're probably a bit biased. Perhaps you know we're based in, in in Britain and get all the British news, but I don't think um, the Premier League necessarily the the attraction that it appears to be from you know to a player who's playing in the Bundesliga, for example. You know, it's not uh, not the be on end all. The only downside to the way the, the Haaland stories are getting reported, it all seems to be financial, um, which is, I mean, we, we know what the, the game's like, but it seems to be they've got like this set stepping stone plan, you know, where it goes more money to more money to more money. Um, so it might not be City next, because obviously once you go to City, that's you pretty much getting your max value. <laughs> um, but with, with the money that Real and Barca kind of don't have anymore, PSG might be the the only option, but I mean you'd imagine that only happens if if Mbappe was to go elsewhere, and again then you're still talking, you know, more money. I, I think this summer could be very interesting. Either very little signings because of again the financial implications, or a lot of owners just kind of going well, right, like we just got to take a gamble and kind of get us back to where we were, and hoping that the fans are back summertime-ish. Yeah, I think last summer was pretty lean, wasn't it? There wasn't, there wasn't that many deals around for obvious reasons. So I think uh, there may be some clubs who are, uh, who are not almost desperate to spend, but won't need to spend. Um, there's, a, there's a few in the Premier League who were mentioned, you know, like Palace, who pretty much need an entire new squad. So, yeah, I was um, just that up, yeah. I'm hoping it's going to be a bit more of a, an open market, so we see a bit of a shake-up, because the squads have been pretty similar for a couple of years now, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I can only speak massively on obviously the Liverpool one, and, and obviously since we lost the final in eighteen, uh, our squad has like eleven has been the majority of the same. Like you're talking eight of that eleven that played, or seven of that eleven have played over eighty percent of our games since then. Um, and I mean that's a team who then went on to win the Champions League and the league, and you're still seeing the same, you know, the same team. So I think that kind of tells you a lot about how the market's been. For the past few seasons, when even like you know the top clubs aren't even looking at changing, um, but as you mentioned, like Palace have got a massive overhaul this summer, um, and possibly a manager as well. The rumours obviously have been flying about for for months now that this is this is Roy's last season. Um, I, I, in a way, I kind of don't want me go. I think he, I want me go on his terms anyway. Put it that way. I think he's he's helped that. Um, well, I think I think they said on match of the day this week that uh, they hadn't even started contact talks with them. Um, it seems a bit odd considering there's what five games to go. Yeah. Um, which I mean, does that mean the writing's on the wall? I mean, if I mean, is, is there any point in just kicking it down the road for another year and saying, "Well, have a have a final year"? Because I think whenever you do that, it just means that the players are kind of in limbo for twelve months, and people don't want to sign. You know, is the new manager going to like us? Is he not? Um, why should I try for this manager when he's going to be gone soon? You know all this kind of stuff. So, um, I, I think they've kind of got to make a decision on whether to just 
cut the cord and get a new man in and, and rebuild or or I mean, it's hard to say isn't it? How, how long can you go for if you're Roy well this is it I mean you do wonder if Palace are kind of maybe waiting to see if any managers that they are looking for become available yeah I mean Eddie Howe, Eddie, Eddie Howe has obviously been talked about a lot but um, that seems to be circling Celtic a little bit at the minute I don't know what happened there but there was a lot of talk about it. it. Never really went anywhere. Yeah, I think I think that's done and dusted. He, he was definitely at Celtic Park, and he had interviews. But I believe he's turned it down because Celtic didn't want him to bring his. I want to say not chief of staff, but like his recruitment officer. Um. So he's, he he must come with a team, and they oh, didn't right. his recruitment and. Like you know, if you're Celtic, you your limited budget up here in Scotland, Dave. So. Hmm. Eddie Howe's recruitment um, went down at Bournemouth. Well, that's it. Dominic Slank is not going to buy himself, is he? So. For me personally, I hope whoever gets Eddie Howe gets his recruitment. Um, it's, it's <laughs> can only be a good thing for other people. It's, it's, it's your main source of income, isn't it? I know. Devil Carigi has been sold for fifty-two million in the summer. As Crystal Palace look to the place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Eddie Howe's the. He's the one on everybody's lips, as I say. I think the, the deal with Celtic's kind of run dry, and he seems to be the one that Palace... And, I mean, I'd be interested to see how that works out. I mean, everybody was really high on Eddie Howe for a while. Um, his recruitment was, was awful. There's no beating about the bush. Uh, the players he signed just from us alone was was awful. The defence was terrible. Uh, that's why they obviously ultimately went down, but... Uh, originally, you know, they were playing some very nice stuff, and I'm sure for a while he was touted with Arsenal um, at the end of the Wenger era. I mean, I could be completely wrong if I'm misremembering that, but I'm sure he was always in talks of being like the next, you know, with that style that he played. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. And I mean, Crystal Palace fans probably deserve some sort of nice football for a bit. They are quite a loud bunch when they're, when they're in the ground. And I've just had a quick look and. Uh... He still odds on to be the next Celtic manager, oh. uh, which I'm surprised at because I think, like you, I thought it was either going to be announced or you know it wouldn't be by now. But either way, um, so yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, there isn't even a market for the next Palace manager, so who knows? Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, that's respectful for Roy as well, which is unlike any specialist guy. <laughs> Unlike uh, us, <laughs> yeah, we know he's not listening to us. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, fair play. Well, it'll be, as I say, it'll be a big summer for certainly for Palace. Um, Man City, without sounding disrespectful, it really doesn't matter what happens in the summer because the squad is like ridiculously expensive and overstacked anyway. That you know they're going to bring in one or two regardless. Um, and they're going to be okay. Like it's, it's hard to feel sympathy for for a team like Man City with the money that they've they've spent. Oh, you're exactly right. I think. Uh, I mean, was it, they bought Nathan Ake last summer and he's barely had a kick. He's like yeah. the like fourth choice centre back. <laughs> Something hideous like that wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, wasn't it's, cheap. Yeah, uh, it's like people are talking about like what City have done. Like I'm, I'm not one of these people who are saying that they're like they should where they are like because they've they've started to be coached well and they've started to win the games but let's not go overboard with the praise that they managed to go and beat you know I win a tie in the Champions League semi-final then win at Crystal Palace you know three days later when they rotated seven players and they brought in 500 million pound worth of talent 
Let's, let's, let's calm down on the, the David and Goliath story here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like hats off to City are going to win the league fairly comfortable. It'd be fascinating to see. Uh, I like you. I would give Aguero another year, but I'd also like to see him more. I'd like, I'd like to see him in somewhere like Italy, um, where it's a wee bit slower pace for him. But um, we'll see. Next up, I believe on the Saturday was Brighton two Leeds nil. Didn't see this coming at all, Dave. Uh, I didn't until I saw that Calvin Phillips was out for Leeds and I mean, he, he missed the return game. Um, I think it was around Christmas, might be wrong, but he missed that game and Leeds looked a shadow without him. Um, and as soon as I saw he was out, I thought Brighton will probably win this. And sure enough, I think Leeds without Phillips and also Rafinha. Um, I think that's you know, two of the two of the better players. Uh, and without them, as I said before, they, they haven't really got loads of depth at Leeds. They've been... You know, fairly fortunate in the, in the sense that a lot of the, play, the a lot of their best performers haven't really picked up that many injuries. Um, the defenders have, but you know, Bamford, Rafinha, Phillips, uh, even Jack Harrison, and um, they all four of those have, have played the majority of the games as far as I know. Um, so yeah, I think missing Phillips was a was a was a huge blow for them, and uh, Brighton just took the chances for once. Welbeck was was very good. Yeah, he, he scored, didn't he? Uh, he did, he scored. It was a lovely turn. Uh, yeah, that was the, it was the second goal. He, he also won the pen. I mean, it was a stupid tackle from Alioski. Um, <laughs> if you can call it, I don't know, you would even call it a tackle. He just kind of grabbed hold of his leg. It was uh, a bit of an odd one. But, um, yeah, Brighton were, were well worth the win. Then I say Leeds, are, Leeds' job's done. Um, they're not quite on the beach because I don't think Bielsa would, would allow that. But, uh, that's if they're not at their, you know, at their absolute intense best, then um, they're, they're not the worst side to have games against at this time of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think as soon as you said that Calvin Phillips was playing, then, you know, I kind of retracted all my statement about I didn't see it coming because regardless of who Leeds are playing, like a squad like Leeds, unfortunately, what like is as much to Ross as dismay. But um, when you've got a player like Calvin Phillips missing. That that's you know that's like a weak level you know he's he's a player who's got a very bright future at the the top of the game in my opinion um, and it'll be a real struggle for Leeds and then as you say if you add in Rafinha who was you know he's he's been almost a breath of fresh air at times for for Leeds um, they have been fairly lucky with injuries for the for the front line as you mentioned because for defensiveness they might have had the worst injuries yes. <laughs> I think at times they didn't actually have any set any set of at all. I think they were playing midfielders at left back and right back if I believe at one point. Um but as you say, yeah, job's done. Very very good season for Leeds. Uh, obviously their objective I'd, I'd imagine Bielsa probably had higher hopes for them, but ultimately their objective was to stay up, really. Um and they've been just a joy to watch, you know. They, they very rarely draw games. It's either a win or a loss, and barring obviously this one, they're normally quite end to end, quite exciting. So, but I mean, what do you expect from Leeds next season, Dave? I think more of the same. Uh, I think unless they spend hundreds of millions or you know whatever's required to get them to where they want to be, which let's be honest, they're probably going to need. A couple of centre halves and a bit more depth, and you know, probably someone better than Patrick Bamford. Sorry, Ross, but um, you know, I think if you're on all those things, we're looking at a you know a hellish rebuild to to get into the top six, let's say. Um, so I think as long as they've got 
this kind of quality of player and, and obviously Bielsa there, um, they're always going to have massive peaks and massive troughs. Um, so, you know, they've, they've had some very good days this season, but they've also had, you know, the the 6-2 at Man United and that kind of thing. And it's, um, I think mid-table is where they'll be uh, without major investment. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that, that considering where they've been as a newly promoted club, they've not even... They don't even look like being relegated, but uh, I think um, this might be as good as it gets them. Yeah, a few seasons at mid-table, you know, build the finances up internally in the club, you know, with the revenue coming in. Um, hold on to Bielsa for those years and, you know, maybe start building then. I think that would be a fair fair way to go about it. And, well, same question for, for Brighton then, mate. <laughs> well... The way Brighton play football, I mean, they, they look like they could be in the top half quite comfortably, but lacking a goal scorer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want, if you wanted to fill your boots, you would, if you were a striker who who backed yourself, you would go to Brighton because they make so many chances. Like it's it's ridiculous, really. Um, they. <laughs> They, they play a nice brand of football, and as we said, you know we've been over this time and time again. They, they've got the potential to go as, as far as they want to if they, if they stick with their manager and just you know keep improving the squad year on year. But um, it's going to come a time where you know you're going to have to spend big bucks to get a proper, not proper striker. You know what I mean? A striker who's proven at this level. Yeah. Um, do you stick with Neil Mopé and hope he just comes good? Um, I can't see it. I, I, I think. He works hard enough, but just doesn't doesn't seem to score consistently enough at the, at the Premier League level. So, buying a striker is going to cost them a fortune, um, unless they can pluck one from, I wouldn't say obscurity, but you know, not one of the top clubs basically, and, and see what happens from there. But uh, I think Brighton will be delighted to stay up and just you know continuous improvement. You know, if they if they finish 14th where they are now, I think that's pretty good. You know, next season push for 10th, 11th kind of position, then you know why not? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're quite similar to me. I mean, Graham Potter's done a really a fantastic job, barring barring the goals. But it's, I mean, because they're creating so much chances, you almost can't put that down to him, can you? You can't. I think we've, we've laughed with this before, but you know, what more can he do when you know they're, they're making, they're having 25 shots a game and they've got an XG of four, whatever it is. You know, all this stuff, we, we all these yeah. random statistics that come up that, that basically say they should be scoring more goals than they are. Um, it's not down to the manager. Like he, you know, all right, you can see we're going by a better striker. It's not that easy, obviously, is it? I mean, he's he's got Mope, who they spent coming the exact figure, but a fair whack on from Brentford. But that's buying a Championship striker and hoping they're going to improve the Premier League level. Yeah. He went and got Welbeck, who scores important goals, not necessarily a lot of goals, but he, you know, he, I think he comes good when they need him. But he, again, he's at the tail end of his career, and he's. He's got something like five goals this season, which is I say they've all been useful goals, but um you could you wouldn't rely on them. Uh then they've got Young Connolly, who's again more of a seems more of a supporting striker than a than a than a, a number nine if you like. Um and they've probably got a few other youngsters who have been in and around the squad, but I think unless they go out and, and buy, you know, you, you, the fabled fifteen to twenty goal a season striker, which is so hard to come by, then you know, this is probably as good as it's going to get for Brighton 14th mid-table. You know, that you can have all the, the best ideas in the world, but without that main striker, then it's just very difficult to see them, uh, you know, really get in the top half. Yeah, you could set Graham Potter up nicely for, you know, for a future elsewhere if he can 
keep keep achieving that, you know, that higher mid table role, you know, that even saying getting up to that twelve to twelve night say say tenth down to thirteen, say, if he can get in that round about there with a team that he's got, um can only look good on his, his resume if he wants a, a job at a higher team. Well, yeah, yeah, it probably does, but uh, again, he's kind of in a good position where he's at a club who are happy for him to do his own thing. Um, there seems to be minimal kind of um, involvement from you know the higher ups who want want things to go their way. You know, they've said right, you've got the keys, you do what you need to do. Um, I'm not sure we'd get that at many of the the top clubs. No, no, it's fair to be honest. Um... I'll just see what his, his ambition is there. Um, both teams safe now. Well, Leeds have been safe for a while, but I think that pretty much secures Brighton now. Um, yeah, I mean, what are they on 37? Um, they've got a 10-point cushion. They've got a great goal difference, which is really 11. I, I think they need, well, I suppose one point would make it official, but I think they're absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah, be very, very surprised. So we'll come on to a team who, for me, pretty much secured the third place in the relegation zone. I know you're still a bit a bit dubious, but a, a comfortable 2-0 win for, for two goals Chelsea away. Kai Havertz with a couple of goals, Dave. Yeah, I, I really like Kai Havertz. Well, I did what last season when he was in the Bundesliga. We all, we all watched the Bundesliga for three weeks um, <laughs> during during the height of the pandemic. And uh, he was a player I saw at Leverkusen very early on and, you know, I really like the look of him. But... Uh, after looking into him, it obviously seemed apparent even back then that Chelsea were, were going to be his next club. Um, he's probably taken a little bit longer to adapt than we might have liked, but not unusual, really, with players coming from, from abroad. Um, I'm not really sure his best position is. I say a lot of the time I watched him last season, he was playing like a false nine almost. Um, Lampard seemed to play him everywhere. I <laughs> didn't really get an awful lot of success, but... Um, he took both his goals really well here, and uh, he shows some good link up with Werner, who again has been much, much maligned for not scoring enough, but he seems to be chipped in with assists and things every now and again. So, um, I, I think it's, it's great news for Chelsea. I think he's only going to get better as well. He's, he's always young as well, so um, he, he could feasibly be at Chelsea for the next ten years and win all sorts. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Is it only nineteen twenty? No, that I don't know, but if, if, if he's if he's older, he's I think he's just older. So I mean, as you say, we we Werner, which you'd imagine they keep their, their too much invested on. Mason Mount has had a fantastic season, um, and then obviously Havertz, and they've still got other young players. At Reece James, at, yeah, Reece James at right back. Obviously, will get more game time. Uh, they've got a few centre halves coming through. Things do look good for the for the youth side of Chelsea, um, but it will be interesting to see what they do in the summer because you'd imagine Tuchel will be looking for players of his own as well to try kind of almost start more of his own identity on the team again. Uh, yeah, I'd expect so. Um, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, Mount uh, Mount's been unbelievable. I suppose he's the the, the big thing to come out of the, the transfer embargo was that. You know, Mount essentially got his chance and um, he's absolutely taken it with both hands. Uh, Tommy Abraham was the same for a little bit, but he seems to have fallen right off the off the, uh, off the radar now. He, he's pretty much th- probably third or fourth choice up front now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he moved on in the summer. Likewise, Giroud, who 
Tuchel just doesn't seem to like, doesn't seem to rate him particularly. Um, but again, you know, he must be at a point now where he wants to go and play football for a couple of years before he retires. Um, but yeah, Chelsea have got, well, they've always had a, a huge budget for the last, what, 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, and now they've got a, you know, a really good manager in there. Um, they don't even have that many sort of aging bodies. You know, Aspilicueta's getting on a bit, Thiago Silva, yes, but, um, aside from that, you know, they're a fairly youthful team, really. Um, I think a centre half of Holyby is, is the thing he wants to get. I don't know who he'd get for that position, but I'm sure they'll, they'll find someone. Um, and then, oh, I said that they're already in the Champions League semis. Next season, I'll be very surprised if they don't make a tilt at the, at the title. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Especially, I mean, there's no real other challengers either for City that you can see. I mean, I, you just don't imagine Liverpool being strong enough or, or United really. And, as good as Leicester have been, I do believe like like top four is their is their limit at the moment. I think they would still need a wee bit more quality throughout their squad. But now that Tuchel's got Chelsea playing, I mean, I know I was obviously more down on them than yourself earlier on the show, but he, a couple of signings, I think they need to get their goalkeeper sorted still as well. Um, and then, yeah, just a younger Thiago Silva. Uh, <laughs> Really like the way the way City have managed to bring in Ruben Diaz. If if there was another centre half out there, you know, quite similar. Yeah, well, Chelsea should definitely identify him. I mean, it's two of the best centre half signings this season have been obviously Diaz, as you say, Man City, but but Fafana at Leicester, who yes, is yeah. nineteen twenty, I think. Um, he looks absolutely incredible um, in terms of you know the abilities he's got and how it matches up with the with the league. Um, so if Chelsea can go out and find someone like that ilk, then. Uh, They'll be they'll be absolutely fine, but I guess that's probably their only problem position. You know, Christensen, Zuma. Um, I think uh, Tomori is going to join AC Milan permanently, which I'm very surprised at. Because considering the, the age and backline, um, you'd have thought if you can if you, if you can make it in Milan, he could probably have done a job for Chelsea, but apparently not. Yeah, yeah, it's no surprise certain players not making it to Chelsea though, and, and they ended up world class elsewhere <laughs> on in their career. Uh, on Swansea, on Swansea, on Fulham, Dave. Mm. Uh, I mean, I know you still think there's there's a, a slight chance, but um, for me, I think they're down. I mean, do, do they? Do you think they've still got the right man in Parker to bring them back up next season if they do go down? I think he's earned the, earned the right to have a go at it. Um, I think I think he did pretty well to bring him back up in the first place. Um, and he's made a you know a pretty good stab of keeping them up. Um, it's obviously gone a bit pressure for them. And he kind of got them to match point, which was they were out of the relegation zone for ten minutes when they were playing uh, they were playing Villa, and then it all kind of unravelled and hasn't really re-ravelled since then. That's a phrase. Um, but I think they've still got every chance of staying up. And the reason I say that is because obviously they play us in the last game, so for all they need, four wins or whatever it is. As far as they're concerned, they'll want to get within. If they can get within striking distance of us in that last game, it becomes a cup final. Yeah. They're nine points behind, so they've got to win two and hope we lose our games. Now, we will lose to Leicester and we will lose to Man City. So it puts an awful lot of pressure on us at home to Sheffield United, which we should win. Absolutely 100% we should win. But I've seen us play too many times to know that there's, no, <laughs> there's absolutely no gimmick. Uh, no gimme. And. Uh, 
you look at Fulham's games, they've got Burnley at home, which I know you love Daesh, but um, <laughs> you know they're one of the few teams who you'd love to play at this time of the season if you need a win because they're, they're down there. Uh, they obviously haven't been great all year, or they'll be a little higher in the table. They then go to Southampton, who are a total basket case of a club um, this, yeah. this season. You know, Will they win? <laughs> I don't know. It's a total toss-up of a game. Um, they'll have nothing to play for. Fulham will have everything to play for. Um, that concerns me a great deal. And then they go to Old Trafford, which, again, they shouldn't win. I know they shouldn't win. Um, they might not even need to win, if uh, I say if, if, if what I've said before goes ahead. But, again, by that point, Man United will have the top four sewn up. They'll probably have a Europa League final to prepare for. Um, stranger things have happened. I, I feel you're being over-cautious just because it's your team that's, that's down there. I feel... I feel like you supported any other team in the league right now. I think you'd say Newcastle. Well, but, but you must like, on paper you must say like this weekend coming, they will make up three points from us in theory because they they could beat Burnley and we probably will lose to Leicester. That's not impossible. It's not impossible, yeah. yeah. I just don't see them beating you the last game of the season. I think when it comes to one on one, and again I've not been through the same situation as yourself, David, and obviously seen your team, you know, in those. But I just look at both teams. And I, I just don't see any way how they guys can beat you in a one-off game. Well, I wish I could share your confidence. But <laughs> what, what I will say, though, is that if we go into that game with a fit St. Maxman and Wilson and you know everyone else is available, then yes, I totally agree. We, we should win. Or even draw, which is probably what we'll need at that stage. Um, there's no way they really should have enough to beat, beat us, but... There's a lot of teams who shouldn't have enough to beat us, and they'll absolutely wipe the floor with us. So, um, unfortunately, Steve Bruce is a great leveller, um, <laughs> and, and, and not in a good way. Uh, I think, as we're obviously coming our game shortly, but this weekend was a stark reminder of his limitations as a manager. I thought we were coming on to your game next, so. Um no, we may well be. I've lost track of. We're not. No, we're okay. We've got one game for us, so we'll, we'll quickly come on to that then. Um, and since he's not here, uh, and he did message me to tell me that he was disappointed that he wasn't going to be on the show because Villa put in their best performance of the season. Um, so I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you speak on that, Dave. But Everton won, Aston Villa two. I mean, it was it was good, but it wasn't seven two, was it? I guess like in in Simon's defence, the way Simon com- like compared this, you know, it was almost a complete performance. Uh, whereas obviously in, in the game against Liverpool, it was. Mm. That that game could have been any score. Like both defences were almost awful. That seven two game, it, it was like they'd like exposed a cheat code in a video game, and just kept exploiting it over and over again. It was bizarre. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I, 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 I see what you mean here because they it was a proper. It was like a nineties football match where it was end to end, and there was you know lots of chances and um, Everton played ridiculously high up against Watkins and just kept getting in behind over and over again and. Um, El Ghazi's goal was lovely to win the game. You know, quick get, shift out your feet, and curl in the corner. Like you know, it was it was a really enjoyable match as a neutral. Um, we see this every week, but I've, I've got no idea how Everton ate in the table because they they just never seem to win. Every time I watch them, they're getting beat off somebody. Like whether it be Burnley, Fulham, us, Villa now. Like you know, they, they just seem to lose an awful lot of games at home. Um, but yeah, fair play to Villa because I thought they were done this season. I mean, they haven't really got an awful lot to play for. Um, I guess there's an outside chance of sneaking into in the seventh, but seems unlikely, I think. Um, 
But yeah, I really enjoyed it as a game. Um, what's your take on the mini debate that's broken out over would you take Calvert Lewin or Watkins to the Euros if you had to make a choice of taking one or the other? I think, as we mentioned, um, I think we did it in the last international break. Mm. I think the fact that that's your debate. <laughs> I think that's a sorry state of affairs for, for England. For me, I think it would all come down to, I always remember listening to like Robbie Fowler, and I think it was, oh, no, it wasn't Fowler at all, it was Sutton and Venables when Sutton had his strop. Oh, yes. Refused to play for England. So they obviously did a BT sports show, and somebody had pulled out, and Sutton never got picked, and I don't know who they picked. But as Venable says, look, if, if one of the other players had dropped out, you know, Sutton would have been his pick. So I think it all depends on the, the balance of your strikers that you're taking. Because um, I would say Watkins is a more, you know, he's the in-behind striker. So are you going to play enough of that style to give him game time? Whereas um, Calvert-Lewin, obviously nowhere near as talented as Kane, but has the, the, the presence Okay, I think it all depends on what you need at the time. I think if you're chasing a game, you put Calvert-Lewin on, don't you, and just get in the box. Because <laughs> yeah, he's, he, you know, he's got a great header here as well, and uh, it's just an extra option. Isn't he? Um, I think he's the best header of the ball in the Premier League, forward-wise. You know, just he attacks the ball very well. Mm. He's, not very, he's not very good at flicking the ball on, but his attacking the ball is is something that we've not seen in years. I feel. Yeah, it's odd because he doesn't strike me as being a particularly big lad. Like I know he obviously is. He must be six two, I think. But yeah, you know, he's not like crouch, is he? Like he's, you know, he's he's uh, he's a reasonable height, but he's not massive. But um, he took it. He just he just takes off, doesn't he? he? Gets great hang time with his head. Yeah. And um, Duncan Ferguson being there obviously helps that massive for the movement. Oh yeah. Oh, it's got him, hasn't it? Uh, but yeah, I think yeah. If if you look at it that way, I mean. If, if you're going to take him there, it's only for to make it... Because Harry Kane's playing every minute. Mm. But if you're 1-0 down in a quarter-final or a semi-final and you've got 10 minutes to go, well, just throw Calvert-Lewin on. Throw. That's why that, That's why I believe uh, Ward-Prowse should be in the team, the squad alone as well. Purely for set-pieces. If you that's can, it, isn't it? You know, yeah. if you need corners and free kicks getting taken for the last 10-15 minutes of a game, because he's not a terrible player. Obviously, he's not to the level of some of the other midfielders in it, but if you've got somebody who's that good at delivering a ball and, and then that somebody who's that good at finishing, like, like Calvert-Lewin with his head, then it's it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think I'd have both of those in the squad, especially now with the 26-man squad as well. You can, oh, right you, enough, yeah. You can afford to take a few, I wouldn't say risks, but you know, you can you can have your, your set-piece expert and your big man who you might not necessarily have taken beforehand. Um I think regardless, I would have taken Calvert-Lewin over Watkins, um, who has had a decent season. Well, good, very good season, really, for, to be back in the Premier League for the first time. But um, I don't think he's in national quality. Or at least not yet, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think he's probably an overall better player forward than Calvert-Lewin. Like if, I was, if I was building a team, I would probably rather have a forward like Watkins than, than Calvert-Lewin. Hmm, yeah. But again, none of them are going to get Starts, you know, they're not going to get game time. So I, think it, I think it depends on your style of play, doesn't it? I mean, the problem is a lot of the teams now. I mean, take England for example. You know, if they play with wingers, they'll play Sterling on on the left, and they'll play I don't know Rashford on the right or something. Neither yeah, them are going to. Yeah, so there's no crosses coming in. Neither, neither them are going to cross the ball in. For, for, you know, Calhoun ahead. So 
I mean, I hope we, we play. I don't know. I don't know what I hope we play, but I think a lot of England's width comes from the, the fullbacks. Um, now, if I say to you, well, Trent Alexander-Arnold comes living the ball from the right. All of a sudden, Calvert-Lewin looks a lot more of an attractive proposition to be in the middle. Yeah. Um, but it just depends on, on on how we're set up, doesn't it? I mean, there's, there's so many different connotations. Um, but yeah, I think he's got to go as an option, hasn't he? Yeah, it seems. I mean, the worrying thing for for me, and I assume you'll know much better than me there, but I can't name. I'd imagine you take three, four strikers through the Euros, especially when we've got 26 man. I couldn't name you four English strikers who I would take. I mean, I'm talking you're probably going into Bamford territory now for me. So obviously you've got Kane, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Let's say Calvert Lewin's two. Yeah. Who, what other two go? Um, I will take Ings who was fit, but he never seems to be fit. Yep. That's a problem. Um, but then, you know, do you count Rashford as a forward? Well, probably. Say so Sterling's done it. I mean, yeah, England as well. Like it's there's too many. Well, not just too many, but we've got lots of options like that. Who they aren't really forwards, but they yes. can be counted as forwards. And um, I think, as, 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 yeah, as, as you said earlier, you know, Kane is going to play every minute of every game, yeah. pretty much. Um, he's the captain. He's the goal scorer. He's you know he's going to play unless. I don't know. We've won our two group games, and the last one's a dead rubber, um, and can't yeah, finish any. <laughs> well, I know. I think if it's against Scotland, he'd be, he'd be licking his lips. But um, uh, I think that's, that's always going to be the problem: is that you can categorise anybody as a striker if it means you can get them in the squad. No one playing well; they're never going to actually play there. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I think I'll be interested to see how. I'm actually. Like as anybody who knows, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of international football, but I am curious about this summer's Euros just purely because the season's been so crap. So I just want something, you know, I want some sort of football that resembles football that I used to enjoy. Um, and I feel the Euros could bring that in. And it's maybe just the, the rarity I have in my country in there too. Mm. So it's something I could pretend to get behind. Oh, yeah. Well, as well, I mean, the, the usage of VAR isn't as. Batshit mental on in international football. <laughs> it seems not to be, yeah. So that or, or, or anywhere else really. It uh, just seems to be us who specialise in making it ridiculous. So um, hopefully that won't even ruin it. So yeah, I, I think, think pretty much said fans fans will be there. Yeah, in different I think it's different percentages maybe, but you know, obviously it's in, it's it's different rules because it's different cities. So I think yeah, it's all over the place, isn't it? Yes, we'll end, we'll end up with you know another pandemic or the same pandemic but like extended. Who knows? But we might, <laughs> we might have a good tournament out of it. <laughs> yeah, but right now, I'll I'll take that. You know, just <laughs> just get, get me normality for the summer. Um, yeah, I mean, like, but go back to the game. I mean, Villa have been on a fairly poor slump as of as of recently. Obviously, I think Grealish still missed this game again, didn't he? Yeah, he's, uh, injured, he's, so. he's he's allegedly nearly back, but I guess <laughs> he's, he's nearly back for like two months. Ah, it's just madness, but uh, it's obviously like an ongoing injury. Which the thing is, when when the I don't know if you you followed this story, but when it, when the news broke he was injured, it was broken by the like you know the these in, in the no accounts who specialise in, in fantasy football this kind of thing. And at the time they said he's going to be out for a few months. And Villa just said nothing about it. And then all of a sudden he was missing this game and that game, and he missed couple of weeks he was going to be back and he wasn't back so it's obviously he's had this issue for a while I think anyway and uh, they've decided that they're not going to risk him um, 
it's, it's <laughs> this is the first game really I've seen Villa where they, they haven't missed him. Um, you know, they've they've had to dig pretty deep in some of the games they've won without him. Um, but this was the first game where, um, as a team, they've they've not missed him. They played pretty well. Um, as I say obviously helps when El Ghazi does things like that for the goal because that that was it was almost Grealish-esque to be honest. You know, to, the quick uh, shift out the feet and curl in the corner was the type of goal he would score. But um, yeah, I think if he ever goes anywhere, you know, Villa will get a lot of money from. Yeah, I mean, my criticism of Dean Smith and Aston Villa since the the, the injury to Grealish, it hasn't been so much that I, I, I don't believe they're actually you know a one man team as as the results suggest, like, you know, not like a like Saha and Palace almost, but I feel they just try to put players into Grealish's position to do the same job. I've said it numerous times, you know, just, it's almost like he's needed to change the, the, the system or the tactics slightly because he doesn't have a Grealish. And he's just been kind of too stubborn to do it. I mean, whoever they replace Grealish with clearly can't have the same impact. And then obviously on Saturday's game, like Ross Barkley is obviously back to his, you know, his best. Unfortunately, we don't see it very often, but I obviously felt maybe felt like he had a point to prove against his, his former team. Yeah, he was. He seemed actually decent considering Sai has been giving him the, <laughs> the, uh, the the bad reviews recently. But he seemed to play pretty well here. Um, he, I don't think he's going to get a permanent move there by all accounts, but. Uh, he played fairly well, as you say. Maybe it was because he was going back to his old club. But uh, yeah, it's, um, he's another one who you know should really have been you know starting for England every every game without question. If you'd asked us five or six years ago, he would have been the centre of England's team by now. But he's just got lost along the way, hasn't he? Should never have gone to Chelsea. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the the best option for him. But I don't know where else he could have. You know, when at the time, uh, well, Spurs were, I'm sure Spurs were interested at the time. Maybe that might have been a better option, but he definitely needs to rebuild himself and, and almost get that consistency back again now because, as Simon, as you said, Dave, Simon's been absolutely berating him for the past month as he <laughs> comes on this show. Um, and then as far as Everton goes, I mean, as you say, it feels like they never win. So, I mean, what do you make overall of their season this year? I just think it's a massive opportunity lost for them. They, they, they must have, I know, they obviously have played pretty well away from home to get to get the ears in the tail whilst losing at home to say like ourselves and Burnley and um, some of the Fulham and you know some other teams who they should really be beating at home, especially. And then just taking those three games, if they've beaten those those three bottom five sides, um, they'd be fourth or at least level on points with fourth. Um, it just seems incredible to me that they're, you know, they're still in with a shout of getting European football. Um, but like I said, I mean, they won at Arsenal the other week. Um, and that's the type of result that seems to have gone under the radar a little bit because that, you know, it was a good win. I mean, it was a dreadful game, but they um, they got the result. But for the amount they've spent, um, I haven't really seen an awful lot of progress. I know they didn't spend an awful lot last summer, but in general, that the teams cost a fortune. Definitely, yeah. Um, oh well, I mean, I don't, I don't expect much more for them. I, I do wonder how long Ancelotti might stay there. He's used to winning things, and I think it'd be a long time he'd have to stay there before you see any any victories there. 
But we'll move on to the Sunday, Dave, and um, we'll start with your team. Mm. I've I've seen the goals in this game, and I think the Elneny one was slightly exaggerated on how good this was by the commentators. Ah, in the game. I couldn't remember what I was watching when they said it was. Oh, you know, it's a it's a wonderful strike. I'm like, it's an unopposed shot from 18 yards. It's got in, uh, you know, the keeper's got a good hand to it. Probably should have saved it, but it wasn't even a chance according to the commentator. He, oh, he made nothing. I'm, what was a volley? The ball was bouncing towards him. It made it sound yeah. like it was 40 yards out. <laughs> should have saved it. Yeah, I think obviously the power's done him, but uh, <laughs> I, I blame the defence more than anything because, as I say, to have in the first 10 minutes to have a shot from the edge of the box pretty much unopposed, um, it's uh, obviously something's gone horribly wrong. Um, we were absolutely garbage from the first whistle. You know, gave them far too much respect. Um, Arsenal going into this game were 11th. Um, hadn't been on a great run. They'd lost a lot of games this season. Um, they were in the middle of two-legged Euro- Euro- yeah, European tie, so they probably had one eye on that. We should have been in them in the first whistle. It made it really difficult afternoon for them. And instead, we just sat off and let them have the ball. And obviously, you know, Arsenal have always been very good at passing the ball around. That hasn't really changed, but... Um, this, we should have been right in their faces and we just let them have it and we barely tackled them, barely laid a glove on them yeah. um, it's happened far too many times under Bruce's management um, he just shows far too much respect to the, big, to the supposed bigger side who were at the time you know, four or five players above us on the table um, and they, they've probably never had an easier afternoon yeah I see the to defend them for the second goal as well, how easy Arsenal kind of got through. It was nice play, don't get me wrong, um, but it, it just felt very easy, very lacklustre. Like as you say, kind of no challenges put in, no pressure on, um, and then just a really nice cross from obviously Martinelli for for Bamian kind of to get in. But it just there was no one near Martinelli when he got the ball either. It was just yeah, very poor, as you say, just kind of you know almost lacking any effort at that point. Yeah, I mean. Xhaka got booked fairly early on and to me it seems fairly obvious from there you should be getting the ball to San Maximum and saying go, basically go and stand on Xhaka and just run at him um, and we just didn't do enough of it there was no killer instinct to you know to try and exploit this, this weakness we just kept giving the ball away over and over again Sean Longstaff's been reasonable since he came back in the team but there's two or three occasions where he just seemed scared to tackle just seemed to get out of the way and on some occasions um Obviously, Shelby's never going to tackle. He's a you know he's a waste of a shirt in a game like that because he's just not going to win the ball back, and we don't have a ball enough to be useful. So um, our centre midfield has, has been a, a weakness all well for a couple of years now. Really, um, there's only Isaac Hayden who, who ever does make a tackle, and he's out injured at the moment. Um, we've got no sort of dominant figure in there. Even Willock, who has been very good, obviously couldn't play in this game because against Arsenal, but. Um, he wouldn't solve that problem. He, you know, he, he's very good going forwards, but he, he's not going to dominate the middle of the park and win the ball back and whatever else. So, um, I was, I was, I was very disappointed with with how we set up. I, I thought going into this, it was very rare. I have any confidence about us, but I thought, you know, with the, with the circumstances, we're on a good run, unbeaten in four, a yeah. couple of wins. Arsenal circumstances of resting half the squad and. Um, you know, having bigger things to worry about on Thursday night coming up, we should have made this a very uncomfortable afternoon for them. And instead, we may as well have just said, "Well, you know, it was, it was like a testimonial the way we approached it." And then, the one time we put a tackle in is the 93rd minute when Cher decides to 
I mean, I don't think it's a red card. Obviously, I'll ask your opinion in a second, but to me, it's a late tackle. It's not a nice tackle, but it's not a red card tackle. Um, give me two seconds and let me find it. He's going to watch it. No, uh, yeah, it didn't come up on the highlight package. Or well, that's, I mean, it was so irrelevant. It was so late on. and yeah. Cher himself had only been on for 20 minutes, but uh, he he comes in from behind. I say it's not a nice tackle by any means, but it's, I wouldn't have said it was endangering an opponent. I wouldn't have said it was... Uh, I wouldn't have said it was two-footed. Um, I just think it was Mike Dean being Mike Dean, as usual. Yeah, so that, that gives it enough. Um, can't find a video on it. Um, I mean, whilst I'm looking for that, well, uh, yeah, just, I mean, Callum Wilson obviously back into the team for uh, that his first start since he could since his injury, yeah, it was his first start. I mean, he he had nothing to work with as usual. Um, I feel for him because you could see him getting visibly frustrated all afternoon. It's like just lack of service. Um, I mean, we better get anything going. I mean, Matt Ryan, who has pretty much been you know banished from Brighton for being terrible, played for Arsenal on on Sunday. Um, oh. He's never conceded at St James's Park in four games now. Uh, I think maybe four or five. Every every game he's played against us, he doesn't concede, and he's, he rarely even has a, has anything to do. He's just our total bogey goalkeeper. Um, to be fair, to Arsenal they did the right thing and they, they played him so high up as like a sweeper keeper. Um, anytime Shelby tried to ping the ball over the top, Matt Ryan was already there. <laughs> it was it uh, they totally had us sussed, and we had no no plan B for that. I was going to ask you who that was in goal. Um, yeah. I'd seen that come up. Um, and the highlights and I'm like I couldn't work I, t- I totally forgot he actually signed for I think it tells you all I need to know about this red card the fact that any Sky Sports video package I'm not seeing the actual goal here mm. <laughs> well I see you're missing nothing um, it, was, it was it was a naughty tackle it wasn't a very nice tackle yeah. there was absolutely no reason to do it but uh, it um, to me it wasn't a red yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I get rules are rules and all that, but I think there's got to be, unless it's a, you know, a real dangerous challenge, and at that time of the game, and does it really warrant a straight red unless it's a very obvious one? Um, I think one of those are a bit, a bit common sense, but uh, as you say, it's a certain Mike Dean um, as the manager, as the, as the official. Uh, I mean... I, Obviously, I think we we know your thoughts on obviously Newcastle's team. I mean, on Arsenal's Dave. I mean, I mean, what's your thoughts, especially after the the Europa League first round, like first leg score even? Well, I've just about kept themselves in it. Um, you know, two one down with an away goal. It's, it's not impossible um, for the season they've had. If they can go, if they can get the Europa League final and be you know a shootout with Man United away from from being in the Champions League next season. That's a hell of a result for them because they've been very average at Premier League level. Um, but if they can get in the Champions League, I mean, they should build a statue of Arteta for getting them in the Champions League with, <laughs> with that team. Um, that would be unbelievable. But uh, I just, I just can't see. It's like the, 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 there's nothing stand out about them as a club anymore. Like you know, the Aubameyang's have scored here, but generally quite average now. Um, whether it's just a dip or whether he's maybe just passed his best, I'm not really sure. But you know, he was the the, the star player. Um, obviously, Özil's gone, who has had that in his locker before. 
Um, you look at the, obviously Saka, who didn't play, was you know he's um, he's got the potential to be anything he wants to be. I think he's a brilliant footballer, but again, very young. Same with Smith Rowe. Um, you wouldn't look at them and say, well, you know, next season they'll get in the top four. Next season, you wouldn't even look at them and say, well, they'll get in the top six. You know, they don't have enough standout players anymore. Um, now, they've, they've got enough youngins coming through who, who could get them there in the future, but it will be next season. Um, but if they get back in the Champions League via this, you know, Europe League back door, then presumably that'll give them some budget to go and get some players and it might change the landscape a little bit. But, but right now, I, I just I find them very, very average. Yeah, like you could have summed that up any better. That's, that's how I feel about Arsenal as well. For years and years, even when Arsenal have kind of had mediocre seasons for, for them, even at the time, there was always, you know, very standout players that you could see teams big teams wanting to buy a bar as you say Saka um, Smith Rowe possibly for the potential the, there's not much you see there that where they can you know you feel that you know one or two additions can take that team to the next level I genuinely do feel they're just this you know 7th 8th ninth team these days yeah well that's, that's what it looks like to me um and we've talked about, you know, Villa have got supposedly very deep pockets, Everton the same. Um, they're two clubs who are in the middle of, if not already, overtaken Arsenal, um, yeah. the way I see it anyway. Um, you know, if Arsenal, let's say that, you know, they don't win the Europa League, um, they start next season without European football, they are on a key, on an even keel with, with Everton and Villa for me in terms of, you know, what I expect from them. Um, I think the days of them being automatic contenders for the top four long gone the top six looks fairly unlikely um, you know Leicester are streets and streets ahead of them now um, in, in all aspects uh, I, I just I don't think Arsenal have been this bang average the entire most of my if not all my lifetime but certainly the vast majority of my lifetime so um, they're going to have to wait it out I think and I say that their best bet is, is getting the likes of Saka and Smith Rowe and Whoever else they've got coming through, more and more game time. Uh, and if they can pick up some great players along the way to, to slot in, then, then great. But um, if they're not going to spend the mega bucks, then um, I, I think there'll be a couple of years before they're back to challenging for those positions. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I hate or love to agree with you there on that one. It's <laughs> been a long time coming for Arsenal where they've been kind of happy to finish fourth. Maybe not the fans as such, but. Um, the, the players just content on that, that four place trophy. Uh, up next, I believe the, the off field stuff was more exciting than what the match probably could have been, Dave. Um, I wasn't sure whether to do this or do this at the end, but we'll mm. just, I mean, this was next up, so I mean, I take it, like like myself, you're almost glued to Sky Sports News to, to keep up to date on what's going on with the, the, the hundreds and Man United fans kind of breaking into Old Trafford um, and causing. Ridiculous amounts of damage. Yeah, well, see, I thought this this game. I know we, we got to get a lot of nil nils in this fixture, but I really thought this was going to be a good game because obviously you need the win. Um, Man United don't necessarily need to win, but the, you know they're, they're not good enough to sit in and, and play for nil nil. So um, I thought this was uh, this was all set up to be quite a, quite a good afternoon of uh, of bank holiday football, but instead we had you know these these protesters who. 
I don't know. I understand why they're doing it. I understand that they want to make their point. Um, I'm not really sure what that point is by protesting. Um, I'm also surprised the Premier League called it off because what kind of message does that send? You know, what's to stop other fans of other clubs doing the same thing and we're just going to get games postponed forever? But it's not going to fix your problems. It's, you know, it's going to play havoc with Sky schedule, but I'm not really sure that's your issue either. So, uh, I, I, you know, I totally understand the need for change and the want for change, but, um, you know, we've wanted to change our club for, for 14 years and been told it's, 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 it's not, you know, stay in your box kind of thing. Um, so why is this, you know, billion pound club being lauded as, you know, oh, we're going to change the world for everybody? They've got to send a half, it cost them 80 million. Paul Pogba cost them, what, 90 million? They've got the second second most expensive expenditure uh, yeah. in the league. Uh, Man City and Man United combined have spent more than the Premier League together well, in that time. Exactly, and you know, I guess the Glazers have taken them for a ride. They've, they've, I can't remember the exact numbers, but you know, they've bought the club, they've taken a loan out, they've put it against themselves. I don't know what they've done, but anyway, they've come over pretty well. And Man United obviously aren't competing at the level they were at, but um, that's not down to the Glazers necessarily. You know, it's not. Like I said earlier, it's not like they've spent nothing. Yeah, um, they've appointed some poor managers. I think they've obviously signed some some bad players. Alex Ferguson left and. He was a very, very, very hard act to follow, which is, you know, was always going to be the case. Um, so I'm not having, you know, Man United are, are these trailblazers who are, you know, going to fix football and they're saving football and they're doing the right thing. <laughs> this was 200 idiots on a on a on a daft day out, basically, because you look at the people who were who were, oh. who, were, who were inside the ground. They aren't trying to reform football. <laughs> they're just trying to cause a nuisance. Absolutely. Um, and you know they succeeded they got the game called off um, one of them seems to have assaulted a police officer with a bottle yep. or whatever it was which you know horrendous scenes no one wants to say that um, they've been smashing cameras again you know what's yep. that going to achieve um, so you know great you've made your point I think but I don't really know what the point is and um I find it very high and mighty that Sky is sitting there and peddling Gary Neville out and saying, oh, you know, they're, they're trying to ruin football and that, you know... The European Super League was, it was a tragic idea. Like, no one wanted it. No one no one really wanted it. I know some, some people did, but the majority of people didn't want it. And I think even the hardened supporters would say it's, you know, it's a tough sell with all the meritocracy that goes along with all this kind of thing. Um, but as we said before, like, it's one thing to complain about your owners, but how do you find someone with the money to buy Man United? You can't just take it off them. <laughs> and this is the problem we've had for so long now, is that unless you've got an owner who's willing to sell, you can you can scream and shout all day. You can not, you can not turn up to games, you can, you can turn up to games and cause a fuss, you can do all sorts, but it doesn't matter until someone's actually got the money and the cheque written out and the owner agrees to sell it. Well, didn't Rio Ferdinand tell you guys to shut up unless you want to buy your own club? Yeah, he did. Of course, he did. But so, should Man United fans be doing the same? Well, yeah, apparently. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's his argument. My, like, my, my biggest takeaway from all this, obviously, always going to have a bias in being a Liverpool fan. But you made a really good point. What's stopping any fan now doing this to get games postponed um, for the benefit of their team? 
you know, injuries, suspensions, anything like that. What's stopping this now? Because obviously the game's now getting replayed. You can't tell me if this was, and I'll even involve Man United. If this was Man United, Sheffield United, or Fulham, there's no way this game's postponed and replayed. This is following the rules and giving the points to the other team, which it states in the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I mean, I was going to ask Sky that. want the game on their TV. Um, and as far as Gary Neville, Gary Neville has literally incited a riot through all this. Going shaking hands with the, the, the protesters and that as well, the ones who, when he's claiming it's a peaceful protest. And as you say, there's, there's images of like policemen with like, uh, st- uh, paper stitches on his eye because he's got a black eye and cut on his face. This is absolute ridiculous from Sky. The fact that it was even on the TV for so long is nonsense when you think about it. Like, why are we like highlighting that and showcasing that on your main footballing channel? Yeah, no, I, I find it very hard to stomach, to be honest. Um, I was going to ask you about the the fixture being postponed or not postponed, or you know, to me, I mean. When they were talking about giving clubs to, uh, points deductions, everyone said, "Oh, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't deduct the the, the club points because it's not fair on the fans." But it's the fans who caused it. So now what happens? I mean, to me, there should be there should be deducted points. Yeah. Um, I mean, they should, uh, they should also forfeit the game really because it's their lack of security. I mean, how do you how on earth do you let fans get in the ground like well, like that? <laughs> Man United staff have let them in. But obviously we'll never know that because obviously fans are in charge. Mm. But there is obviously I don't know how accurate it is. I can't be bothered fact checking it. <laughs> but, um, there is sure talk sport. Now we know how credible they can be. Uh, Premier League rules. There's a tweet going about with a rule um, today that says that if a game can't be played and it's due to the the own team like the team's fault so obviously this one is the Man United one um, it should be an automatic you know the point should be awarded to the team I just I, I don't I, I don't know if the game should have been delayed in the first place I think I don't know if there was I think the issue is the Apparently these fans got in the dressing room and that meant it was a COVID, ah. a COVID issue, um, yeah, which, which again I, I get. But to me, the game should have been on today at twelve o'clock. It's a bank holiday yeah. Monday. Right away, yeah. Don't give them a chance to remobilise and do it again. Just get it on, you know, quite early in the day, um, and that would have been uh, that. Would, to me, would have been the, the ideal solution. Instead, we have to dwell on it for probably a couple of weeks. They're going to have to move the fixture list around to, to allow the game to happen because it obviously. Yep. And then they hear it happening again. Yeah, exactly, and uh, that just doesn't sit right with us. None of it sits right with us. I think um, I get that they want to stop the European Super League, but it's dead easy to do that. They're obviously taking steps today to say clubs have got to sign up to this Premier League charter thing, which basically means you know you're in it uh, or you're not. Um, which I think they did in Italy, pretty much straight away, and they all signed it. So that landed as a as a you know an immediate worry. Um, but I, I just I, I just don't know what the what the planned solution is here. Like, do they want this 51% fan ownership thing, which gives them a vote in this kind of thing? I mean, again, I just I don't, I don't see how if you've spent a billion pounds buying a football club, 
how all of a sudden you can lose your majority of voting rights. <laughs> I mean, I think it'd be great for football. Don't get us wrong, but I just can't see how you can promote it um, and make it happen. It just doesn't seem right to me at all. Yeah, it's a it's a strange one. I, I just I didn't like the whole situation. I hated the way. I, I mean, it's no surprise, but I hated the way Sky highlighted it as well, like it was some sort of cool, like almost a cool thing happening. Um, I hate how much time they're giving Gary Neville to incite his nonsense that he's speaking. Um, if you get a chance, anybody listen to Simon Jordan's talk on Gary Neville today, it was absolutely wonderful. I don't don't often agree with anything Simon Jordan says. It's a bit of an obnoxious prick, but... <laughs> um, he, he he states some great things about Gary Neville, how he, he claims one thing on TV, yet he's sitting on PFA boards asking for the other stuff. And um, I mean, we know how his clubs ran in his ownership and so forth. Um, the way his friends run in Valencia, he's not exactly the you know all about football malarkey. Um, the the whole Glazer thing. I mean, I'm not a Man United fan, so I couldn't. I only know kind of what I've read, probably a bit like yourself, Dave, about you know them taking money from banks and that. But but they're spending it on the club. They might be making profit, but that's that's a business. That's just how you run businesses, regardless of if people like it or not. But Man oh. United been spending money just because it's been poor. But if you're spending eighty million on Maguire, what was it, ninety five, I think, on Pogba. I mean, it's been that's your issue. What do you have? Thirty-eight million on, on Van der Beek, and he sits on the bench. Don't, yeah, it doesn't doesn't. Like, get, um, you know, cry, cry me a river, like you know. I, I yeah, get teams down the bottom league would be crying out for you know half of that. Maybe I just don't understand it properly, but to me, like you know, we've seen clubs go to the wall over the last couple of years, and I know you, I was in the camp of you cannot just stay. Well, what about what about Bury or you know what about? All these other clubs who have, you know, really, really struggled over the last couple of years, because everyone's situation is is relevant to the you know, the size of the club, the expectation, whatever else you want to say. But um, and the other, and the other, it's the same for the other top six or big six, whatever you want to call them. They've taken the success that these owners have given them for years, no questions asked. And if it all goes tits up now, and which it seems to be starting to do, then you know, that's your problem. Yeah, I just, I, I'm really coming to see you. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well for me. It doesn't sit well that, kind of, the fans are going to get away scot-free, ultimately because the club's getting away scot-free, which means the club isn't being, the fans aren't being punished, ultimately. But, again, I'm always going to say that, so I'm kind of glad that you're kind of on my side here, Dave, because obviously I, I feel I would always say that, bearing in mind that, the, you know, my team's on the, the opposing end, but I just don't see why Liverpool should be punished as such. Or their fans' behaviour. Well, I know, I and mean, to me, I say I, I would have, I would have given the, the, the walkover win to Liverpool because Man United have fundamentally failed at, at stadium security, and that's you know that's the club's fault. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't like to say what would have happened if it had been a Brighton or a, even also you know a, a club who, who weren't one of the, the favoured sides. Um, what I did find interesting was that Gary Neville was quite open when he was talking about how. The big six make all the decisions, basically, and they run the league, which is more or less what Newcastle are arguing in court at the minute about why we didn't get our takeover through. So that's interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Whereas the big six will make you believe it's the other way around because you need 14 votes. And 
I would just, it sounds like the meeting, it sounds like the meeting the big six separately and then going into these meetings with a with a set agenda, doesn't it? Yeah. It's um it's it's all it all stinks, Ali. Like I think Yeah, hundred percent. Top to bottom. And, and and I'll stand by what I said very originally. The fact that UEFA are coming out of this looking looking like the Golden Boys yet they've introduced this new champion mm-hmm. this shows how bad you know the Super League was fought of. But let's not forget where all this started. The the the, the biggest poison in modern new football is Sky Sports. Well, it is. I mean, they more or less started this, didn't they, with the Premier League? And obviously, yeah. you know, we've, we've loved the Premier League and we probably still will love the Premier League, but um, the, they don't like it because the, the Super League is essentially what they did to the Football League. And I know that was a lot more amicable, um, but it was all still voted on by, the, you know, the, the chairman of the time and all this kind of stuff. So um, you can't tell me that the Football League were delayed when the Premier League came about. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is where it goes. I mean, I, I I again I don't know how how accurate it was, but I seen Sky and BT trying to get the Premier League to automatically give them rights to the TV, you know, without a a bid for the next. Yeah, week. I think it was like a you know as a thank you kind of thing because they've, they've put on every every game during this the last couple of years, but at the same time BT seemed to be keen to shift out their um their BT Sport element of the package. Um, and that'll end up with an Amazon or a Disney Plus, or you know, yes. it'll, end, it, it'll end up with with yet another subscription streaming service. Which <laughs> I hate. I mean, I don't know about you, but I hate streaming football because it's yeah. so far it's so far behind. Yeah, like, it's it, in this modern age as well, where everyone's got Twitter open at the same time, and you're just refreshing your feed, and all of a sudden, you know, the reporter is at the ground saying goal, and like, well, it's a goal kick. Like, are you sure? <laughs> and then you're just sitting there watching, waiting for it to unfold. It's like, well. You know, it's uh, it's it's not my favourite way of watching football. So that'll be another 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 nail in the coffin if that happens. But yeah, we'll we'll leave that till next year so we can bitch about that. Day. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we'll come back onto football for a bit. I mean, we're we're at an hour and a half. I think Ross will be pulling his hair out if he had any. Uh, well, I tell you what, Spurs Sheffield United. Gareth Bale was good. That's all, got, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> Good what he took every goal very well. Like a man reborn, wasn't he? That finish at, uh, for the one-on-one where he ran through and just one, yeah. sma- smashed it. It was like he was playing for Wales. <laughs> I did look to see that they're awake on and see what colour it was. <laughs> um, that's his 14th goal of the season as well, Dave. I mean, my favourite start of the weekend is that Gareth Bale has scored more since he came back to Tottenham than Eric Lamella has since he replaced him in 2012. <laughs> that is, that is, on that note, that was first four Sheffield United nil. That is a great indictment of Eric Lamella there. Um, well, come on to tonight's games then, Dave. Did you mm. watch to the first? I've not. I've not watched any of these games. Uh, so. No. So well, again, I'll, I'll do a quick summary of Wolves West Brom, which was it was really really wet. Um, Fabio Silva scored one of the luckiest goals I've ever seen. Basically, he, sw- he swings at it with one foot, it hits a standing foot, loops over the goalkeeper and goes in. On that note. What about uh, St Maximum's attempt at that in the, in the game on Sunday? Oh, he hit it on, one foot on the other. Well, yeah. <laughs> probably involved the goalkeeper. I mean, that mad fucker probably meant it, but I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think Fabio Silva did, but he scored <laughs> anyway, so good for him. And the last game of the weekend, then, which we delayed the podcast because Dave was thoroughly enjoying our Burnley I game. I was. Oh, I, I was. I'm too. So, I mean, firstly, fair play to, to West Ham because they played pretty much like all their attackers at once and just said, we're going to score more than you. Um <laughs> Chris Wood turned into Gaza for a couple of minutes where he like chipped the ball over a defender and tried to go around the keeper and got fouled. Obviously, 
scored the pen himself, because that's what he does now. He's apparently the world's best striker. <laughs> um, but then West Ham came straight back. Antonio was back from injury, and two probably like poachers finishes. Um, good header and a, and a tap in, but um, I, I'm surprised it finished with only two, uh, with only three goals, because um, both sides had many opportunities to, to add to that, but um, a mix of sort of close misses and uh, good goalkeeping meant it finished yeah. 2-1 but, but West Ham need... how many sorry over 20 21 yeah. I can believe that it was it was a really enjoyable game um, just two sides who, who you know left it all on the line I mean the way Burnley play the, obviously they play this 4-4-2 it was the same against us they have nothing between their midfield and the defence so, <laughs> so they had West Ham had like four number 10s playing had like Ben Rama had Lanzini they had Lingard <laughs> yeah they just kept hitting these these attacking mids who were just immediately running at Tarkovsky and me, and it was, uh, you know, it was it was only a matter of time before they would they would score. And I say they really should have got more on the break uh, in the second half. But um, West Ham really needed the win. I don't think Burnley will need the points. I mean, they're on the same point as us, um, and I say they, they go to Fulham next. I suppose what you would say is that if they lose to Fulham, which like I predicted earlier, then you've kind of got to include them in the relegation mix, haven't you? <laughs> but um, uh, if I'm saying they're safe, I suppose I've got to say we're safe. So it's uh, it's still on a knife edge, I think. Yeah, well, that brings us to the end of the weekend, then, Dave. Um, as you say, I think it'll be an interesting one for West Ham, see what they can pull out for the top four. I still think David Moyes has got to be up there for manager this season. I mean, if it's not him, it's Sean Dyche, um, regardless of your <laughs> I'm not having it any other way. Um, but that will be the end of the football for this week. And we're going to come on to betting corner, David. Oh. And how many winners do you reckon we have this week? I know mine went pretty close. But I also know that one of the teams, that, I don't know how them in this accumulator or not, but they conceded 93rd in the equaliser, which cost me some money. So hopefully I didn't pick them for this either. Who was that? Napoli. Well, we'll come on to you last then, Dave, since you think oh. Because uh, mine, mine was terrible. So Watford oh. lost, Norwich won, Hull won, and Salford lost. So that that blew that up. Mm. I'm in, almost got a win this week. Man City won, Chelsea won, Spurs won, Swansea won, and Bournemouth lost, I believe. They did, to Wickham. Yeah. They definitely didn't win, I had that. So yeah, they lost 1-0 to Wickham. So four out of five for Simon. Now, our joint top winner so far, and Dave, had mm. an eight-team accumulator on. I did, yes. Dave had Chelsea, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, PSG, Man City, Sporting Lisbon, and AZ Alkmaar. Eight out of eight. Yes. What a data. Sixty. Bloody hell, what a time to be alive. So going into week 11, the tallies are, including the bets for this week, Simon, minus £110. <laughs> <laughs> Me, minus £21.40. And Dave, plus £83.77. Four weeks wow. to go. You're in a positive. You, I know, I'm, I can just keep, I'm just keep, I'm just going to keep the ball in the corner for the remaining weeks now. That's all you have to do. Just <laughs> one, one game, one team's only from now on. Just pick Man City to win every week and you're, you're going to be all right. Simon has gone for this week. Leicester to win, Liverpool to win, Arsenal to win, Blackburn to win, 
and taken a leaf out of your book. He's gone international and he's gone Real Madrid. Mm. So his five teams will give him £109.90. That's not bad, is it? Yes. Well, I have went... I don't know how mine's is so bad. I'd have to check the odds again. So I have went Crystal Palace to win. I believe they're at Sheffield United. Um, Millwall to win. Bayern Leverkusen to win. Hoffenheim to win. Napoli to win. And Nantes to win. £472.50. Christ, go hard or go home. Uh, yeah, like if this comes in, I've won. Like, this is this is narrowed it down there. <laughs> See, it's, it's it's an awful week domestically because uh, all the, I think it's the last day of the season. In, uh, in the championships, definitely, yeah, they're all half past 12. No, oh, goodness me. Um, but never mind, we've got we've got some picks here. Now, I know I said I was going to play it safe, but, <laughs> but I haven't. Newcastle to win by two clear goals. No, definitely not, right. So we've got... We're going to stick with AZ because they're, you know, my yeah, boys. AZ. Uh, Anderlecht to beat Antwerp. Yeah. Chef Wed to win at Derby. It's a relegation decider. Going to go with Chef Wed. Yeah. Uh, Leon to beat Lorient. Yeah. Uh, Cheltenham to beat Harrogate. Oh, we're on the horse racing there. Mm. Um, QPR to beat Luton. Yeah. And Newport to win at South End. And you're winning. So it is 52.34 to 1, which will return £533.35. 35. Oh, 35. Yeah, that's six pence makes all the difference. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Oh, imagine if yours and both, mine both come in. That's just going to ruin me. That poor Sai. <laughs> Sai was done. Imagine I won a £472 bet and you, you, you still win it overall after that. That would just um, that would break my heart. But at least we now have had three winners in 11 weeks. Um, that's better than my than my actual betting in real life. Um so thank God for you, Dave, to be honest. Well, it's better than my actual betting in real life, so what does that tell you? Maybe we should have put these on, Dave, because that would have been not bad, at least for those of you. <sighs> I it, I actually would have been in profit, as I say, and I, I just don't win bets anymore, so... Yeah, I, I know the feeling. Um, but yeah, that'll be it, and hopefully Simon is back to back down south um, in, in hometown, and he joins us again for next weekend. Hopefully we get a less, little less more events off-field and we get some more football on. Mm. Uh, anything that you've been on this week? Any Chapman blogs, podcasts of that this week, Dave? Uh, no, I've had a quiet week, but I will, as ever, plug the, the website, which is cm9798.co.uk, uh, and the, the latest Chapman pod was out a couple of weeks ago now. It'll still be in your feed if you haven't heard it yet. Yeah, check check the latest one, and, and go back and go from the start, especially if you're a, a Chapman nostalgia um, we will be back again this time next week we are we are review show Chris and that will be back on Friday morning on your feed with extra time there's a pieces of me out on Friday there's one out just now with Steve Plunkett uh, go back and listen to that again any previous ones have a listen I believe it's Andrew Chapman coming up it's the one me and you done I believe Dave 
Yeah, we did Plunkett as well. So we're, oh, uh, did we do? So, yeah, so you ah, get old, Dave this week. That's it, Quick and Road Dog are back, back together again. Yeah, so you, anywhere on your man post street, you can get rowdy. <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. Uh, but yeah, no, just just follow us at Man Post on all your social media platforms. If you're on Apple, give us a five star rating review. Um, anywhere else you get your podcast, if you can support it, share it, retweet it, like it, all those good stuff, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, but thank you very much for joining me, as always, David. Yeah, thanks, Ali. And I'll see you next week. And always remember, keep your man on the post.